Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. listening to the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast about watching soccer on TV and on- online. Welcome to episode 158, coming up on this week's show, our thoughts on the Premier League's new streaming strategy, Fox Sports goes to the dogs, La Liga springs a surprise with her TV ratings, Bundesliga can't get out of first gear in the US, plus we have letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, alongside Kartik Krishnaya. How's it going, Kartik? It's going well. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. It's um, this, this past week. I mean, it, it, we, we go through, I mean, throughout the entire year we do the podcast. There's no, there's no break. I mean, even over the holidays, during the summer. Um, some weeks are better than others in terms of matches that are on television. Some, we've had a couple of weeks, I think, recently where it just it was really difficult to actually try to find a game that stood out, especially during FA Cup weekends. This particular past week has been amazing. Um, lots of different things to talk about, but let's, let's have you start off with uh, your favorite match of the week. Oh, I mean, I guess you can... You can uh Favorite may not be uh, the best match to watch was Leverkusen Dortmund, uh, but I'm not sure it was my favorite match of the week because I'm hoping Dortmund uh, makes a run at this uh, this title, and uh, this was a horrible setback for them. Have to do, though mention Chris that uh, you and I were treated so well when we went to Leverkusen a few years ago, right? To to, to meet with the board and, and the hierarchy of, uh, of Bayer Leverkusen, we took in a game there against Schalke. Yep. So I do have a soft spot for that club. I, I genuinely like Peter Bosch, uh, and, and I thought at Dortmund maybe they, they, they sacked him a little too soon. Uh, but uh, this game match was very frustrating. 4-3 match, uh, a match that went back and forth. There were three disallowed goals also, and there were several uh, uh, shots that uh, I think I can think of one on each side that hit the post also or hit woodwork. So uh, just an open, entertaining match, but another frustrating example of Dortmund's inability to hold a lead in a match. So I'm watching this match straight through. I, I started out trying to flip back and forth with the, with the Forest Leeds match, which was a huge game going on in the championship. That yep. was kind of blah. Forest really had control of the match. Uh, Leeds, I mean, we could talk about maybe this is this isn't the venue to talk about Leeds kind of recent <laughs> different form, but it could uh, be. We could talk about, <laughs> talk about Leeds if you want to, but but yeah, yeah it's a tough league. Yeah. Yeah, so I I had started out flipping back and forth. Then I 
uh, focused exclusively on on the Dortmund, on the Leverkusen Dortmund match. Saw the goals, saw the disallowed goals. I said, you know what? Maybe I should check NBC and see what's happening in the Watford Brighton game. Right? It was Watford. No, it was Brighton. It was a Watford? Brighton. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, uh, Watford Brighton match. Right. Let me let me check what's going on in that match. I haven't even. Uh, uh, Check the score. I haven't done anything. And it's 3-2 at this point. Uh, Dortmund is winning. Uh, J- Jaden Sancho's had a really spectacular goal chalked off because of foul off the ball, which happened in the buildup, or actually even kind of before the buildup. But VAR in Germany works really quickly. They, uh, the referee got buzzed. He went and looked uh, and chalked off the goal, even though it was a spectacular goal. If it had been in England, it would have been a three-minute delay and all kinds of confusion. So I switch. I see the score. I go to my refrigerator to get a can of seltzer water. So literally like a minute and a half. And I'm like, oh boy, I better, it's 1-1. I better switch back to the to the Bundesliga match. Switch back and it's 4-3 all of a sudden. Leverkusen, it had been 3-2 when I switched. They scored two goals. Uh, so there was a goal that, um, and it turned out, I guess I missed, I think three goals because there was a goal that was uh, disallowed. Uh, and then there were two more goals that came that, that were, uh, that were fine from Leverkusen and uh, Dortmund didn't uh, didn't get back into it. And I, I guess uh, Gio Reyna got a full half of play for American fans because Julian Brent got hurt at halftime. Reyna wasn't bad, but again, there is some issue with these players at Dortmund, these attacking players defending mm-hmm. properly. And uh, what we see happen time and again is that Dortmund gets undone on counterattacks. They have so much of the ball that you, they, they, they don't give the ball up that they don't they're not that many chances for the opposition except when they play Bayern right but what we don't see is the tactical fouling that we see from Manchester City when Manchester City loses possession which I have to say I know the people city fans get very angry at me on Twitter but I have to say I think it's gotten really sinister and cynical and you you, you could see um, City's intent every time they lose the ball is to foul and that's right. how Zinchenko got sent off in that match against Spurs was, well, that's that's what you do. That's what they're, I think they're taught to do. They're programmed to pull a guy down. And the, the reality is he had already had a yellow for uh, descent, not for an actual um, physical foul. But, yeah, so that was that was definitely the best match to watch this weekend. Um, and I'm unfortunate if you're a Dortmund fan. Yeah, I would say after watching uh, Veda Bremen against uh, Dortmund, um the week before in in the Pokal Cup and how bad the defence was in that, but how entertaining the game was. Dortmund's has now become probably one of the most entertaining teams to watch just because they're going to score a bunch of goals and they're going to concede a lot also. Um, if you're the manager or if you're the chairman, it's going to be a very frustrating experience, but uh, certainly entertaining. My favourite game for this... I, I don't, I, one, one quick point. I don't understand it because Favre is supposed to be this incredibly... Uh, detail-oriented manager that uh, he, he spends time on the training ground uh, scrutinizing every little thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, Dortmund keep making the same sort of defensive errors week in and week out. Going back, this this thing started after the winter break last season. I, I, I think people have now forgotten uh, because they see the table from last one, like, oh, Dortmund ran them close, right? They, they almost won the title. That they had an eight-point lead or something when you, uh, over Munich. Mugenglobach was in between them, but over Bayern when it went to winter break last year. And this started happening last season. They would have leads in matches, uh, 2-1, 1-0, and they conceded in the second half. And I, uh, I tweeted 
earlier in the week, I don't think there's been any team that I remember in football, in, in the history of football since I've been watching, that had, that had dropped as many points from winning positions in second halves of matches over the last uh, now 14 months or 13 months since the winter break last year than Dortmund has. It's incredible yeah. how, uh, and I think that's probably mental at this point. Yeah, Lucien uh, Favre has got to be pulling his hair out. I mean, that's one of the things, though, Kartik, too. I could see it in terms of, say, uh, a team leading 1-0 and then losing the games 2-1. But oftentimes it seems that, I mean, Dortmund are leading 2-0 or 3-0 and then the other team comes back and wins it, I mean, 3-2 or 4-3. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it it is pretty incredible when you think about it, and I, I can't think of any other team that uh, has been that way. But it is entertaining if you're the neutral for sure. If you're a Dortmund fan, you got to be just uh, so frustrated in, in so many different ways. So, so my favorite ma- match, Kartik, from this past week was Inter against Milan in the uh, the derby. This was an absolutely incredible game. Uh, I mean, obviously, Inter going uh, the favorites going into this match, but uh, in a derby, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, lo and behold, um, Milan scored the opening goal. Actually, I think by about half time or so, it was like two nil to go up, um, and then Inter come back. I, I mean, just really entertaining. Fantastic action at both ends of the pitch. And I particularly love the commentary by Mark Donaldson. Um, there was so much force in his voice that captured the mood and intensity of this game and what it meant to, to both teams for different reasons. I mean, Inter hoping to, to I mean, win the uh, Serie A title neck and neck with Juventus. Uh, Milan really kind of on, on the rebound, just trying to get back to, you I mean, qualifying for Europe, trying to get back into uh, being a, a, a big club uh, in Italy. And um, this, this one, I, Mark Donaldson after this game must have, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> had to take a nap or something because the, 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 the amount of energy he gave into this commentary, you could tell it was, I mean, it was passionate. It was, it, it was, it almost blew me away in terms of uh, the intensity. And, and that summed up the game. The game was fantastic to watch. Uh, as somebody who watches a lot of the Premier League, it's it's entertaining too because you have so many of these uh, footballers from the Premier League that are now playing for Inter, uh, and you could say there's Latan too playing for uh, Milan. But uh, you mean Ashley Young and uh, Lukaku and some of the defenders. I mean, this it's kind of almost like a, a Premier Premier League All Star team, but but a great game, great atmosphere. I think about eighty thousand people in the stadium and. Um, ESPN Plus, I mean, it was just really, really good, really entertaining, and uh, has now gotten me back into Serie A. I mean, over the weekend, uh, I watched uh, Verona against Juventus, and, and Verona again. Yeah. Th- this was another good game. Uh, Dave yeah. Farrar and Stuart Robson on the commentary, two of my, two of my favorite commentators, uh, and sensational goal by Ronaldo to give the, the one the lead, but... Uh, Verona won this 2-1 after a late penalty. Um, second great game in a row for Verona. I think the game before that, they tied 0-0 with Milan. But uh, yeah, Verona, Verona is a, a great team to watch too. Yeah, Sarri's in trouble as Juventus manager. Conte has done a brilliant job with Inter, and we see all the uh, the former Premier League players he's brought in. Uh, Victor Moses having a, a huge contribution, actually, in that uh, that that derby as well. Milan derby, uh, Ashley Young playing for them now. He wanted to bring Olivier Giroud. You know, there's a hot rumor about a coaching change at uh, at Juventus. Sorry, could be out. And lo and behold, Max Allegri, who is still under contract, still being paid off 
they might as well just let him coach since they're paying him off. So there's hmm. that rumor has begun to circulate this week, and I would not be shocked if that happened. And uh, Allegri has the tactical noose to go toe to toe with uh, with uh, uh, Conte. I think the thing we found about Mauricio Sarri is that he has a system that's very entertaining, but you need the right pieces to play it. It's also a system, as we saw with Ancelotti when he took over Napoli, that isn't easily replicated with another manager or another set of tactics. So um, that that's pretty interesting. Should also mention, Chris, uh, while we're reviewing what we watched this week, uh, I watched Everton against uh, Crystal Palace, and uh, this is a, a conversation maybe for uh, another time or as things develop, but Ancel- the job Ancelotti has done in terms of getting Everton to play in kind of the way his Milan teams did uh, in in uh, the mid-2000s, just stylistically and formation-wise, uh, we saw Ancelotti experiment with all kinds of different tactical formations, all kinds of different things uh, while he was at uh, Chelsea. And then uh, uh, Chelsea, we saw him try a diamond then go to a 4-3-3. Real Madrid, the tactics, they had so much talent, he just had to sh- uh, f- uh, fit the formation to, to uh, the players he had. Bayern, he inherited a team from Pep that played a certain way. Uh, couldn't really bottle that up and replicate that. And then Napoli, we just talked about taking over Sarri's team that played a, a very distinct style in a 4-3-3. What we've seen Ancelotti do at Everton, and was especially noticeable in this match, is revert to that 4-4-2 he had at Milan, and it's working. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it would work in the Premier League in this era. Yeah, the scoreline, um, it sounds like it was a convincing win for Everton, though, 3-1. And uh, this one was pretty close. I mean, it was at the 2-1 with about 10 minutes to go. It just seemed that uh, Palace was on the verge of getting an equaliser to to tie it 2-2. But yeah, it's working. In some ways, though, too, for Ancelotti, I mean, he has the players at his disposal. He has some good players on that squad. Uh, They've just been playing awful pretty much all season. Um, but yeah, I'm glad to see that things are uh, working out there for the Toffees. One more thing I would la- I'll mention, Kartik, before we move on, is uh, something uh, else to give high praise for, and that was um, last week's Copa del Rey games. And there were two, and Copa del Rey uh, in the quarterfinals, it's a single elimination. If you lose, you're out. And uh, this really gave two incredible matches. The first one was Real Madrid against Real Sociedad, and... Uh, Alexander uh, Isaac uh, with a man of the match performance for Real Sociedad. Uh, crazy match with really poor defending. It reminded me of uh, watching some of the Bundesliga with Dortmund. But the final score was Real Madrid 3, Real Sociedad. Isaac so- came from so- Dortmund. Actually, <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> Real yeah. Sociedad 4, um, and they're through to the semi final. So, um, and the semi final is uh, two leg. Two leg and um, with it being two legs, the first leg is oftentimes now for the semi final pretty boring. Uh, in the other game, Athletic against Barcelona, uh, another shocker in the Copa del Rey, and Athletic winning this one one nil in injury time. So both Barcelona and Real Madrid get knocked out, and uh, there's a prospect of a Real Sociedad Athletic uh, final if both of those teams can get through, and um, that'll be a what an all Basque uh, final. So that's going to be. Uh, a joy to watch. I mean, it's going to be uh, for for that region. Um, it, it should be really entertaining. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV streaming news, and uh, this one's a really interesting one. I want I want to hear you give kind of just the background first of, of what's going on, but I also want to get your opinion on this one. Yeah. So there is uh, news this week about. Uh, 
Premflix, which would be a Netflix-like service for the Premier League. And now the Premier League has a new chief executive, uh, just came on the job, uh, I want to say, within the last two or three weeks, right? And uh, this is the first major initiative. And it's uh, it, it, it seems like a really, really cool concept. And you're going to get uh, a, a backlog of tons of, uh, of Premier League uh, uh, programming, uh, ancillary programming, uh, historical film, etc., potentially with this, uh, with this service. Uh, but Chris, of course, the question has to be now, once again, you're paying more uh, for the Premier League. And if you think about it, for viewers uh, in certain countries, they're already, including the UK itself, you're already paying a ridiculous amount just to access the league. So I think it is where the the space is going, the sports space is going, and some uh, defined uh, league-specific channels. We've seen La Liga do this also, although La Liga has a bunch of other things Uh with with their uh, their service that they that they they package in it, but uh, I think it's an interesting concept. I think it's really cool. I also worry about now the cost continuing to rise for supporters. But well, based on what we heard, Chris, mm-hmm. I think this is happening. Well, just to be clear, though, Kartik, this this is a direct consumer streaming uh, offering. So what what they're saying yeah. what they're saying is that um, in certain markets in, in, around the world. Um, for example, if it's uh, Australasia, as, as one example, and Australasia says, okay, for the next round of bidding for the Premier League, and you might have uh, Fox down in, in Australia, as well as some of the other uh, ABC, um, the Australian broadcasting co- company, bidding on the rights to uh, televise the Premier League, is that um, one of the options that the Premier League could uh, go with is saying, okay, well, the bids from ABC and Fox, hypothetically, are not really kind of the numbers we're looking for. So we're going to go ahead and have a direct-to-consumer streaming product that's available to people in Australia to watch every single match of the Premier League, as well as Premier League TV 24-7. And um, uh, we're going to just bypass the TV broadcasters uh, completely and offer that to subscribers for, I think, uh, I don't know if it's like 10 10 pounds, I think it was some of the numbers they've mentioned, uh, a month or something like that. So what this does, it, it, this, this changes everything as a concept. So this is something that the Premier League doesn't have in place yet. Um, they are, are looking at and working on, on this. Um, but in many ways, this could be used as leverage. So, for example, and this could be something that they, they could roll out anywhere in, in the world. So if we go back to North America, to the United States of America in the next TV deal, uh, in theory, the Premier League could say, okay, you mean the, the bids from Fox or CBS or uh, NBC, of course, uh, maybe ESPN. Uh, again, those numbers may not be – I mean, they, they, they have that in the back pocket to say, okay, we can actually use this as leverage in, in the negotiations to say, you know what, we can actually make more money from having a direct-to-consumer product than, than going ahead and getting this bid of however many hundreds of millions from some ESPN, for, for example. So it is – Interesting because when they when they announced it, well, they were actually it was reported. I think in the Daily Mail, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, Richard Masters, the new Premier League CEO, was really enthusiastic. Was really really positive about talking about uh, the possibility of direct to consumer bypassing TV. And then the next day, um, there was a follow up piece, and then this was uh, I think. Um, Bush was his name, another person within the Premier League saying, okay, kind of just uh, 
downplaying it slightly, saying that the focus really is that the the, the preference is really uh, rights deals over direct to consumer. So m- my guess is is that there was probably a lot of um, phone calls, panic from the the TV broadcasters saying, "What what the hell are you doing here? You're we're paying you. I mean, in the case of NBC, a billion dollars." over six years to have the rights. And now you're saying that there could be a, a direct-to-consumer mo- model coming down the pa- path for the next rights deal. Um, anyway, so they, they, t- they t- changed their tune really quickly and focused it on, yes, the priority is tr- traditional television. But, I mean, to me, in terms of what this is, Kartik, I think in many ways, to me, it's um, FIFA TV. FIFA has launched their own TV um, uh, OTT uh, service, uh, UEFA has launched their own uh, OTT service, and UEFA in certain countries uh, can offer a direct-to-consumer model. So, for example, if it's, I don't know, Eastern Europe, as as hi- one hypothetical example, if the, the, the amount of people bidding on, on the rights are too low, they can say, we'll just go direct-to-consumer. We'll have our own UEFA TV channel and um, available online and, and, and broadcast the games that way. What do you think, Kontik? Do you think... Uh, this is the future, or do you think this is? Yeah. I mean, can, can you see this happening in the next few years? Yes, someplace. Yeah, no, no. I think it, I think it it is the future. I think it's also the Premier League. Look, uh, the Premier League's the Premier League is hitting a point with with rights, and, and I guess maybe I should have said this on the out, at the outset because I think this is part of what's motivating it. Uh, the the rights. Uh, fees are now stagnant in the UK. International markets, they're continuing to grow, but that's mostly because of China specifically. So they're hitting a point of potential diminishing returns in direct uh, TV rights deals. We'll see what NBC or, who, or whoever else bids this time uh, for the next uh, next three years uh, bids. But I am my guess is, and I know you've spent some time talking to NBC people recently, some good articles this week, uh, Andres Contour and, and Rebecca Lowe, among others, on, on the World Soccer Talk site. But I think that the rights fee doesn't go up substantially. It may not go up at all. It might go up just slightly uh, in the U.S. This, this next time. So I think this is a hedge against that and a very smart hedge, and I think it'll work. Um, and it's the way things are going, and, and, and consumers will have to vote with their pocketbook. Do they want to uh, – uh, that's an election acronym, right? Vote with your pocketbook, but um, they're going to have to make a decision with their with their uh, with their disposable income whether they want to part with a little more of it for this sort of service, direct to consumer service, or um, if they're going to watch less of the Premier League. And I guess I think that's ultimately the decision they're going to have to make in a few years. Yeah, I think uh, for this next right cycle, for both Major League Soccer and for the Premier League, it's going to get a boost because uh, it's actually going to go up in terms of the value. Uh, because there's more competition, because now you have the Amazon Primes of the world that are ready to go. Uh, you've got um, CBS All Access. You've got uh, a lot more competition in the streaming space. And I think DAZN is another one, too, that's always been talked about that uh, hasn't really entered the, uh, the U.S. market for soccer yet. There's a lot more competition among those tech companies that have enormous uh, uh, VC capital that they can put into this, uh, even if it's losing money. And oftentimes when the Premier League, uh, when in, it comes up for bidding, oftentimes instead of going f- with the, um, the partner that's going to help them in the long run, they go after the money. And, and it's the same thing with Major League Soccer too. Major League Soccer, uh, instead of staying with NBC, they decided to go for the money and, and they lost NBC as, as a result of that. 
so I, I can see that happening. Um, the actual value. Uh, rights of of the next um, TV rights cycle going up just beca- just because of the, the competition, not not because of the return on investment. But the, the one last thing to Kartik about this um, Premflix, which is a horrible name, which is I think the name that uh, the Daily Mail coined as something easy, memorable way to actually talk about this. Premflix is not the name of it. Is um, I'm concerned about this for the Premier League, from the Premier League's point of view, because the one thing that could absolutely kill this direct-to-consumer model is illegal streaming. So you, if you go into, you mean you say, okay, right, TV money, thanks, thanks, but no thanks, we're going direct-to-consumer, and if direct-to-consumer is, is then in direct competition to illegal streaming, right now illegal uh, streaming is going to win this one. Uh, um. Okay, is is that the impression you have right now in the U.S. regarding NBC Sports Gold? For sure. Or 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 is that because generally those are second those are matches less people are interested in that. Um, wow. uh, but I'm I'm curious. Or uh, ESPN Plus for the Serie A. Do you think there's a more illegal streaming of Serie A matches since the entire league now is behind a paywall? And same thing will happen with the Bundesliga next year. I think I think in terms of the availability, it hasn't changed. The availability before uh, and now, uh, even with streaming uh, only services, is the same as it was before, where every single game is available. So it was it was available before when it was on television. It's still available now. I mean, I, I've seen this in action. I've seen this um, whether it's a Cody box and having every single ESPN Plus game listed, every single Sky game listed, every si- single be out queue you you name it any game you want to watch even is available for free illegally and and that's the concern i have about this is that uh, and maybe that's the reason why that the premier league kind of pulled back a little bit the day after when one of the executives named bush uh said okay no 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 no. our priority is the tv rights uh, deals over direct to consumer because we're not at a place right now where they can be confident completely that uh, they can really get rid of the illegal streaming. It's still, it's still an issue that's as per- pervasive now as it was before. Kartik, all right, let's move on to the next news, news item. And this is kind of a fun one, actually a little bit different on a slower week in terms of news. But uh, I'm going to ask you this one, Kartik. Um, according to one of my sources, I was talking about uh, NBC's uh, coverage of the Premier League. And um, we were talking about some of the names of the people, some of the names of the studio analysts that were considered for the uh, the Premier League talent when, when they launched in 2013 and they launched with the two Robbies, Carl Martino, Rebecca Lowe. Is in the work building up to that, NBC went through a long, long, long list of people that they, they considered for the job for that studio analysis. Any guesses uh, of anyone out there? that might have been available that, that you think that they, they may have uh, considered? Well, I would hope they considered Derek Ray. Uh, that would be a logical one. Uh, Press Pass was winding down at that time with, uh, with ESPN. Uh, maybe they considered uh, Shaka Hislop to be a studio talent because he, he was already in Connecticut and he know, knows that league as well as anybody on the U.S. soil. Uh, so I would hope they considered him. Musto was on that same. Musto and Earl were on that same show. So obviously they they were brought in. Uh, let me think. Who else could have been considered at that point? Uh, I, I uh, 
I, I, I'm not really sure who else. I mean, I, I think obviously they they probably well, the ESPN deal with Ian Dark was was, was uh, extended extended well past 2013. So I'm not sure if they were able to actually make that consideration, and I and maybe Dark used it as leverage because uh, we know prior to World Cup 2014, uh, the Brazil World Cup, Dark got a new ESPN deal. Uh, perhaps Steve McManaman. Um, I don't know. Yeah, all good names, and and some of those may have been considered. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, Derek Ray might have been still working in Scotland for the BBC at that point. I can't remember. Oh, it was BT Sport, I think it would or have been. BT. Yeah, BT yeah, Sport. Yeah. So it may have been a kind of a uh, – he was under contract perhaps. But uh, two of the names I do know for sure, and I had these confirmed, uh, I want to get your takes on this one. First one was – was considered, but but uh, they 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 decided not to go with this one. Was Andy Gray? Oh, that's uh, a very very <laughs> wise decision, and uh, I think uh, uh, you know NBC. Uh, now this is all in hindsight. NBC has had a lot big problem with uh, Harvey Weinstein and with Matt Lauer and some other potential sexual harassment scandals. If you uh, if you read Ronan Farrow's uh, uh, excellent works, uh, the journalist Ronan Farrow, who actually used to work for NBC himself, NBC News, uh, he, he's exposed a lot of this. So it would have been really problematic. Not that Andy Gray has sexual harassment necessarily but his uh Con, uh, his comments about Sean Massey, who, by the way, I mean, now 10 years later, however many years later, is, I think one of the elite Premier League uh, lines uh, uh, assistant, assistant referees. referees. Yeah, she's yeah, she's yeah, still she, an assistant she, referee, but she's, they, they still will not call her. She's one of the best ARs. You I know, but never, I, I never see her uh, her offside calls getting reversed by VAR. Right. And, you know, there was a lot of matches she does. She's really good. But, so Gray would have been a horrible error. And I also think the thing about Andy Gray is that he was really good in explaining things on uh, – uh, on chalkboards and stuff in terms of tactics, but what um, the kind of level of analytical detail that Robbie Musto in particular uh, brings to the show, I think is a little beyond that. So, you know, maybe he could have flanked Musto and, and, uh, and added something, but I, I think that was a very, very lucky move that NBC for them, yeah. um, that they didn't hire him. It would have changed the chemistry on, on that set for sure, uh, with the studio team that they have. The second name, Kartik, I want, I want to get your take on this one, was somebody that uh, was considered, but uh, they decided not to, and that was Glenn Hoddle. Now, that would have been interesting. Um, I... I think Hoddle, look, I mean, for me, Glenn Hoddle was one of the great um, players in a generation that then became, in my opinion, a very good manager. He mm-hmm. obviously had his uh, his unfortunate remarks that cost him the England job, but then uh, did a really phenomenal job with Southampton, did a really phenomenal job with uh, with Spurs. Is a, is, and I, we get, there's, a lot of criticism that uh, very reflexively British or English pundits get that they're uh, they're very isolated in their thought process. They don't understand football from the continent, and I think that that, that that's the case with a lot of uh, British analysts. I know it, it seems very stereotypical and maybe uh, uh, you know a little hipster to say that, but uh, Hoddle doesn't have that problem at all. I think Hoddle, in terms of his football footballing. Uh, uh, pedigree and the way he views the game is much more comfortable in, in, in maybe Spain or Italy than, than in England. And I, I think that would have been actually a very nice addition when I've seen him uh, in studio. I've, I don't think I've ever seen him as a co-commentator, but when I've seen him as, in studio, I think he's been quite good. Uh, maybe mm-hmm. 
underexposed. So yep. yeah, I, th- I think I could have gone for that one. I, I think yeah. that would have been very good. And I think also um, Hoddle has a um, has an authority authoritative reputation uh, among people who are very uh, schooled in the sport. So I, mm-hmm. I think that would have been a nice one. Yeah, a very uh, thought provoking person in terms of you mean know, reading of the game, and that that would have been a great addition. So, in completely unrelated news, Kartik, and uh, I, I know you're uh, a pet lover, dog lover, as am I, uh, John Strong is back. Uh, if anyone missed this, uh, John Strong was commentating this week. Uh, it wasn't a big football match. It was the Westminster Dog Show on Fox, on FS1. He was one of the commentators for. Uh, I think this is really peculiar. Uh, pe- peculiar. <laughs> Ah, this is really strange that, I don't, I don't know, was this, I don't know, something that, a passion that he's always wanted to do? Or is it, uh, we've seen this more and more lately with a lot of Fox uh, employees going ahead and doing different sports. Um, if you can call dog shows a different a, a sport. But, um, I mean, I think Kate Abdo's doing the, the uh, upcoming uh, Fury boxing match. And, um, yeah, she's... Rob Stone's yeah, been doing any anything and everything but soccer, it seems. Uh, I, mean, I mean, there's many other ones, too, that have kind of been um, just been moved around in different places. This one I thought was just really strange to have John Strong doing uh, a dog show. Uh, that is that is quite peculiar. I mean, I, I guess since they've lost the Champions League, he's uh, he's got a huge hole, right, in his... Uh, uh, in his uh, schedule, he's not um, well, he's not doing Bundesliga matches. Well, that, well, that's the thing, though. I, I thought about that too. Is like, what happened to him in the Bundesliga? Did it just become? I mean, he wouldn't do any games unless they're on Big Fox, or it just been? I mean, Keith Costigan's done such a fantastic job and is really more knowledgeable about that league and, and is better than John Strong. But um, maybe that's the reason why it just seems it's been so long since we've heard John Strong calling a game. I also think that you have to, since he is your lead commentator for uh, the for the World Cup, the Men's World Cup, uh, and for MLS, you, you don't want him to be overexposed. Maybe by doing games on FS2. So yeah, maybe it is the big Fox thing. Although, uh, look, I mean, I. I uh, uh, JP, I, I love, and he's a legend uh, of uh, the sport, uh, and, and uh, you know someone that I think we all owe a debt of gratitude to. But uh, I, I still think it was kind of odd that John Strong wasn't a, a featured commentator during the Women's World Cup, and and that was uh, that's something I, I, we've all forgotten about it since. But then that that that, that um, when you consider his workload has already been lightened by lack of Champions League. Yes, there was the Gold Cup app, uh, running simultaneously, but he's still your number one guy. And uh, is he more now pegged to the idea of the U.S. men's national team doing U.S. men's national team games and MLS matches than being your top soccer, quote, top soccer commentator to where you would put someone else in uh, uh, if, if it's a different competition or a different team? So U.S. women's national team, you use uh, you use Della Camera or whoever else. Mm-hmm. And if it's the. Uh, uh, if it's the Bundesliga, you're using Costigan. We're very clearly Costigan get, does yeah. all the big Bundesliga matches yeah. now. Yeah, and John Strong now I think of as a MLS US Men's National Team commentator, and and that's it. I mean, and and that's I mean what he is a good fit for. Um, and and JP JP could do anything, but but JP really focuses and specializes on the women's game. But uh, it's almost like a chicken and egg thing, though. Too is is that uh, I mean, is it just because I mean JP 
has done women's games that that we will continue to have him do women's games i mean he could go he could do anything he wanted to uh as could john strong but john strong's comfort level seems to be more with that crowd um i don't know it's it, for me it's just a, a bad career move doing a dog show it's it's unless it's something that's been a burning passion all his life on his bucket list uh otherwise it just cheapens his brand Kartik, one more news item before we move on yeah um so we have uh bn sports expanding their distribution of their free bn sports extra channel with the announcement of of a deal with Zumo TV. Uh, BN Sports Extra joins the list of 190 plus channels on Zumo, currently available in 45 million U.S. households via smart TVs, mobiles, uh, mobile devices, web and streaming boxes. Again, BN Sports Extra doesn't have your... Um, this is kind of an irony now, Chris. I think BN Sports Extra, with uh, which would be kind of like your NBC Sports Gold, your spillover games, et cetera, ESPN Plus, is, is I think now probably available in more U.S. homes than uh, uh, than BN Sports itself is. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, available in more homes. So that, and, that's the, and that's the kicker. I mean, if you have a Roku, I mean, there's tons of people that have Rokus. They may not realize that they have the opportunity to add the BN Sports Extra channel for free with no ads. Uh, same thing with the uh, Zumo TV, as you mentioned. Uh, same thing for the Samsung uh, Plus. So if you have a, a newer smart, Samsung Smart TV, you now have the, the potential, the opportunity to go ahead and add the BN Sports Extra channel for free and watch that now so the the universe of people that have access to that channel is much greater um the number of people actually watching that channel we don't have those numbers but at this point i would imagine would be pretty small because it's going to take time to get the word out that you can watch this channel for free and then and then even then you, you can't watch the barca games or real madrid games or atleti games on it it's going to be sele- selective programming some you mean some live some matches, uh, but then also other sports, some stuff that's uh, tape delay, etc. Uh, the concept is good. I mean, in terms of marketing, being sports, and, and then maybe realizing that they're not going to get anywhere with uh, DirecTV and, uh, and Comcast is saying, okay, well, if we can't go through those guys, let's go it alone and let's just go direct consumer with with a free one, a free model, and get into more homes. So that way, when we talk to advertisers, we can say, hey, yeah, we're not on Comcast, we're not on DirecTV, but we are on I mean, what, 100 million homes with being sports uh, extra. And, and that's something they're in complete control of. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV ratings. Speaking of being sports, uh, this is something I just want to pay attention to because like, up until maybe about uh, two months ago, we weren't sure what the being sports uh, viewing numbers were. Uh, a lot of the games were... Um, Numbers that we, could, we weren't able to actually access those numbers. Um, recently, though, BN Sports uh, has been giving us some of those numbers to share with us. And the reality is, is that these numbers are really, really good. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really positive about these numbers, especially considering, I mean, the distribution of this channel, that it's not on DirecTV, it's not on Comcast. Those are the two biggest TV providers in the United States. So you would imagine that the numbers for the games that they have would be tiny. And if you ask social media about being sports if you go into reddit or you go into twitter and talk about being sports most of the people will start complaining about ah i don't have access to it or that 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 channel stinks or is it still around those types of things the numbers say otherwise so 
just some of the recent games that, that we've had. Real Betis against uh, Barcelona. This was this on Sunday. 353,000 viewers for this one. Uh, Barcelona against Levante. I think that was the week before. 332,000 viewers for that. Osasuna against Real Madrid uh, this past weekend. 207,000. Um, and then you look at some of the other clubs, too. They're not Barca and not Real Madrid. And even those numbers are pretty decent, too. Atleti against Granada uh, on Saturday, 124,000 viewers. And then uh, Celta de Vigo against Sevilla. Um, this was uh, this past Sunday, 109,000 viewers. So if you compare those, Kartik, to Major League Soccer numbers on FS1 as one example... Those numbers compare really, really well. If anything, the, the Barca numbers are, are much greater than Major League Soccer numbers on on an FS1 or oftentimes a, a ESPN. Uh, yeah, uh, that, that, that's a, a, a stunner, really, when you think about it, because the distribution, again, of being sports, we just talked about this in the last segment, is, is really low. And when now you're getting being sports and Espanol numbers, you're realizing these numbers are higher. Uh, now, again, um, they're, they're Barcelona matches. But then let's think about even getting over 100,000 for, for the Atleti Granada match. Uh, at a time when Atleti is just un- unwatchable, <laughs> you know, really. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was, um, I-, I think that was pretty interesting. Uh, this is, uh, I think, a very, uh, very, very disappointing um, kind of development for MLS long term. We'll see how we'll see how it plays out because I've actually pushed back against your arguments about MLS TV ratings, Chris, by saying, well, it's really only just Liga MX and the Premier League, right? Mm-hmm. And the Premier League, as um, has been pointed out by me and by others, Jonathan Wilson among uh, among them, uh, is is more popular than the domestic league in just about every uh, country where English is predominantly spoken. We've seen attendance drops in uh, countries that speak English that have access to the Premier League. At least we haven't seen that here. MLS's attendance is is still very, very good. Um, But if we're beginning to see La Liga numbers overtake MLS numbers, and maybe they've already always been ahead, we just haven't had uh, reliable data, uh, that's a bigger concern. And I think one that... um, is not easily solvable or reversible. So let's keep an eye on this now that we're getting these numbers. I also want to want to mention that uh, over 100,000 for Bayern Leipzig on FS2, that is a really good number. And again, makes me worry about next season with uh, the Bundesliga on ESPN Plus because this match will be an ESPN Plus match next uh, next season, not a match that's accessible on a, uh, on a cable channel. So uh, All right, just another thing to think about. I got some big news. So I, I have a contact at ESPN Plus, and so I was able to find out um, some of the numbers recently of some of the games, so, and, and none of these have been published. But according to my source, the numbers for some of these recent games, the Milan Derby is one perfect example exclusively on ESPN Plus, were probably greater than the Bundesliga is getting. Like, for example, this Bayern Munich against RB Leipzig, the nil-nil game was 113,000 viewers. Um, the numbers on ESPN are close, if not greater, maybe a little bit in the, in the ballpark of, the, of that number. And and that's and that's big news, Kartik, because yeah, we talk about ESPN Plus and how many how many millions of subscribers they have and the accelerated uh, accelerated growth. The concern is though that we were thinking like yeah, yeah, but how many people are actually watching soccer? Because we don't know those numbers haven't been released. But w- what does that tell you? 
Well, if the numbers are accurate, it tells me that's very good news, I think, for the sport and for uh, as we make this move from linear television to streaming and uh, digital platforms, it's very, very positive news. Now, I'd still like to see more uh, evidence of that. I, I watched the Milan Derby, and I think a lot of people did. I think that that's, a, that's an exceptional example, but I, I, w- I want to see uh, what happens uh, going forward, because uh, I'm concerned. Yeah. Again, I'm partial to the Bundesliga. I, I admit that openly. I, I, it's they say it's football as it's meant to be. Uh, I kind of buy into that marketing slogan. That's that's why I like the league so much. I'm not claiming it's a better league than the Premier League or La Liga. I just I, I relate more to the community ownership structure. Um, I am, as I have expressed on numerous occasions on this podcast and in writing, concerned about uh, the uh, the Bundesliga being off of linear television and onto a streaming uh, platform behind a paywall. So um, that's encouraging. That's yeah, very encouraging to hear. I- I share those concerns, but given the numbers I've seen, I'm actually looking optimistically a little bit now in terms of the future for the, the Bundesliga on ESPN Plus, um, especially for the big games. I mean, the Bayern Munich against RB Leipzig, and it's just a shame though, Kartik. I, and I, I honestly feel this way. But whenever there's a big match in the Bundesliga where it's one of those games, like a must-see game that people have to tune into. Over the past several years, when it's been on Fox, and this is just coincidence, but sure, I mean, tons of bad luck. It's either been a nil-nil game. I mean, a lot of the the Der Classicers, where there was a lot of hype and expectation, it'd be a, a nil-nil game, or it'd be a, a drubbing. It would be Bayern Munich uh, beating uh, Dortmund like five-nil, and the game would have been over by like the middle of the first half. And and I'm sure, yeah. I mean, that doesn't hold the viewer. I mean, th- this nil-nil game was an entertaining game for sure, and RB uh, Red Bull Le- Leipzig should have won this game really. But yeah, it was a very, it was a very, very entertaining game. I mean, it was it was arguably the best nil-nil game. I I've seen in a long time and my fear so when I was trying to tell people hey you need to watch this match instead of watching the Premier League or whatever yeah. else is on at the same time people were saying were citing to me exactly what you just said oh well it'll be like Dortmund Bayern every time Dortmund is threatening Bayern in the table and they play it's 5-0 or it's 6-1 and they're right yeah. um, but uh, Nagelsmann is not Favre or, or Bosch or or, uh, or, or or Stoger or Tuchel. He came in uh, and uh, had a, ga- a clear game plan uh, to pressure uh, Bayern uh, and, and to and to uh, create uh, space on the counterattack. Uh, he had he, he had shuffled his his uh, first eleven a little bit in order to accommodate that tactic. Uh, we know Nagelsmann is maybe one of the top two or three really young uh, two, top, top two or three young managers in the world so uh this was but as um as the commentators had talked about as as uh uh it was costigan and and uh ian joy had talked about uh, Dogglesman for all his accolades he had never been in a match of this uh, magnitude before mm-hmm. and he passed the test yep. so uh, i think the manager made a difference but yeah uh you're absolutely right chris what you said uh, it's exactly what people told me before when they said, I'm not going to watch this game because it's going to be 5 0. It's just like when Dortmund plays. You know, just, you're just subbing out Dortmund and adding RB Leipzig. Now, after the match, some of those same people come back to me and said, Oh, yeah, maybe we should have watched. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe we'll keep an eye on Leipzig the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, the Bundesliga and Fox is just not a good fit for so many different reasons. Uh, one of the reasons is just that the Bundesliga can get no luck, it seems, when there are those big games and, and the games usually underwhelm or the scoreline underwhelms. It's hard to get in the casual fan to get them excited when it's a nil-nil. For the hardcore audience like yourself and I and our listeners, yeah, we can appreciate a nil-nil game 
just this past weekend, uh, one of my um, my girls' travel games, one of the parents came up to me at the end of the game and said, okay, this was a 2-2 draw, but okay, we go to penalty kicks now, right? And I'm like, no, it's a league game. It's a draw. And they couldn't get their heads wrapped around the whole concept of, of just a draw. And I said, well, that's a probably fair result based on the two teams and how well they played. But, but going back to the Bundesliga... Uh, it's not a good fit because, I mean, this is, Kartik, this was a huge opportunity on the Premier League. Man City against West Ham postponed due to weather conditions and, uh, because of the storm. Okay, so you have no game on at the 11.30 to 1.30 block. Uh, the only other game that was on, I think, on that Sunday morning, I think it was, uh, was it Osasuna against Real Madrid from, from 10 till noon. So at noon, there's no competition. You have the biggest game of the day. You have the biggest game, top of the table clash. You have the biggest game in the Bundesliga this season. And it's on FS2. And I'm like, oh, come on. But even if it, with it being on FS2, that number should have been much greater. I mean, FS2 is still in 52 million homes. I mean, that, that's, that's, I mean, I think being sports probably at this point is probably in about 12 million homes. But Atleti against Granada gets more viewers on being sports than being sports in Espanol than the biggest game in the Bundesliga. People, I, I just think in terms of where we are with Fox, the Bundesliga would never succeed. And going to ESPN is a long-term bet, and it, it could pay out in the future. Um, but where, the starting block of where they're at, I think ESPN Plus is actually going to be a good thing for the Bundesliga. Uh, and that's not because I, I'm a big critic of, of uh, Fox, but I think that uh, I think ESPN Plus will give them more love. And no matter what, if you whether you... If you have FS2 or if you don't have FS2 or you mean with ESPN Plus for five bucks a month, you have access to every single game. All right, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. First up is Sir Digby. While it seems only one team in the Premier League has been consistent and moved forward, I wouldn't say that it's that it isn't entertaining. Everyone outside of the Liverpool have been susceptible to losing to anyone. Norwich match against City. Uh, the blame gets put on teams playing poorly, but that can't always be the case. I'd argue the quality of the bottom half of the table has increased. Happily Eggs says, uh, this season you can throw... Well, I'll just okay, go ahead. on that real quickly, is that uh, if you listen to things like the Guardian podcast, they actually disagree. They think that they haven't seen... Now, I, I, I'm not sure I agree with them, but I, I was listening to Russian's pod like, last week or the week before when they talked about, him and Glenn Denning were talking about the, the bottom of the table being really bad in England this year uh, in the in the top flight. I don't... I think it was worse a few seasons ago, uh, including the season you guys, Swansea, stayed in the league, right, with mm-hmm. the late run under Paul Clement. But uh, I, don't, I don't think it's particularly good though I, I, I think the Norwich versus Man City result was early in the season and it's kind of a one-off we haven't seen too many more of those if any I mean yeah. uh, you can you can pick up any isolated result like that in uh, uh, I mean uh, in in uh, any league I mean La Paderborn just drew Schalke in the, in the Bundesliga Schalke was trying to qualify for the Champions League that was kind of a stunning result uh, at Schalke but um I think every league has those sorts of results. I mean, even Verona beating Juventus this week. I mean, that, yeah. that was that was a stunner. That's huge. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think in I, I would disagree with Sir Digby, uh, and I agree with you, Kartik, is that um, the bottom half of the table is is pretty poor. Uh, inconsistent is probably a better word. I mean, some weeks are you mean, putting in good performances. Um, but again, again, going back to last week's show, to me, what we're missing in the Premier League um, from about three down to 20 positions is creativity, is, is something exciting, something different that's going to 
you mean separate you from the other teams, and we're not seeing as um, as much of that this season as we have in previous years. Happily Eggs says this season you can throw a blanket over fifth to seventeenth. It's very tight. Fourth place is not guaranteed for Chelsea, Wolves, Spurs, Man United, Everton, not to forget newcomers, Sheffield United, are all fighting for fifth to sixth. Statistically, second, third and fourth place teams are on a par, points-wise, with previous years. It's only because Liverpool are so far ahead. It gives the appearance of teams where the performance has dropped off. The reality is other than that. The other teams are on course for a standard season. Liverpool are on course for a an outstanding season. John Average Geek, uh, and this is in terms of uh, talking about the Premier League and just... Uh, it's been a, yeah, several weeks of uh, some poor play for the most part, other than the Liverpools and maybe the Leicesters of the world. But uh, John Average Geek says, never under underestimate the power of fantasy sports and gambling to draw viewers to a league. And, and this would go back directly to uh, talking about the, the viewing figures. I think it was for Man United against Wolves, uh, over a million viewers for that match, which was a really dire match to watch. JB says, I was in Mexico this past week and was surprised at how much coverage the FA Cup was getting on Mexican ESPN and Fox. FA Cup stories were number one slot over La Liga. How big is British soccer in Mexico? Am I right in assuming La Liga is bigger? Kartik, do you want to take this one? I, I mean, I, from personal experience, I've I've been to Mexico City. Um, I've been to I mean, Central America. I mean, La, La Liga, I mean, Barcelona and Real Madrid are much, much bigger than, than, than any Premier League team. Um, but I don't know if you have any experience with this one. The FA Cup, that's interesting, yeah, though. That is very interesting. I mean, my experience in Mexico was that uh, at the time, the Bundesliga was kind of big because there were always Mexican players in the Bundesliga and people watched PSV because uh, and, and uh, the, the Portuguese league, they followed that. I think La Liga is bigger than the Premier League in Mexico, but maybe not by that much. I think that there's uh, been a, an interest in the Premier League that accelerated when Chicharito went to Manchester United. And that was a very – at first I thought it was just a marketing move. It turned out he was really, uh, really, really good uh, in, in terms of just his ability to poach goals. Uh, but I think that that grew uh, the interest in, in English football in Mexico and then obviously the um, the signing of, of, of Raul Jimenez. Now, when Jared Borghetti went to – to um, Bolton uh, under Sam Allardyce, the, the thought was that that would accelerate interest in the Premier League in Mexico. It didn't at that point. Uh, but now I think uh, there's just also just a general um, general interest in things that there's an integration. And I know there's all these political discussions about walls and such, but there's a, uh, there's a, a very much kind of an integration culturally of, of what some people in Mexico uh, uh, do culturally and Americans do. And I think the Premier League probably has a greater foothold because of that in Mexico than they do in the rest of Latin America. I know in South America, there are parts of South America where people don't watch the Premier League at all. The only part of the world really where that happens because the Premier League is strong everywhere else. And again, English is spoken as a second or third language or as a language of uh, lingua franca of business just about everywhere in the world outside of Latin America. Uh, the exception being Brazil. A lot of your business people in Brazil speak English. And I think because there have been so many more Premier League players from Brazil mm -hmm. in recent years. Remember, years ago, it was just Gilberto Silva on Arsenal and uh, Janinho on, on Middlesbrough. There were very few Brazilian players, a lot more Brazilian players in, in uh 
in the Netherlands and in Germany among northern European countries. Now, I think the combination of English being more widespread as a language that's spoken in Brazil than it is in the rest of South America and the num- just the number of Brazilian players that are making huge impacts, starting with Roberto Firmino, uh, it has made the Premier League much more popular in Brazil from what I understand. Next up is KTK. KTK says, did you guys catch the segment NBCSN aired in the pre-match coverage on Sunday morning with the new Premier League chairman, uh, Richard Masters? I guess he was the acting interim one, but uh, those were his first media comments. He talked about the Premier League moving the summer transfer window uh, or deadline back to September 1st to match the rest of Europe, the introduction of VAR, racism, etc., uh, Kartik, I missed this one because this was the uh, the morning of the Sheffield United Bournemouth game yeah. pre match, and I missed the pre match. Did you catch this one? Yeah, I saw it, and I, and I think this is something that NBCSN. It was good they made some news, and it was an exclusive they got as a, a Premier League rights holder. It's also something that they're going to have to do more of now with Neil Ashton serving as uh, Edward Woodward's personal PR flag. <laughs> uh, you don't have anyone to give them that uh, that insight on air. <laughs> which is true Sorry, I, mean, I know that was no it's shot, true shot, it, it's true happened. it's very true i mean it's i mean sad, yeah honestly for a guy like ashton who i think everybody likes and respects yeah and it's uh it's a tough job to do um i mean he's got he's got a lot of work ahead of him neil ashton to to really kind of uh repair the image of edward wood and, and the club Man- manchester united and taking him on as the f- your first client ah uh, yeah that's that's really difficult but i'm i'm sure from Neil Ashton's point of view too. There's, uh, I'm sure he'd make more money doing it, doing that than he is as as a, a football editor. Um, and long term, it could be uh, a successful uh, company for him. So it, it's an interesting first client. If he if he can succeed with this one, uh, I think he's he's got uh, a lot of uh, success in his future. Shane Rowe says, for anyone who's interested, the Caribbean Club Championship streams on the Concacaf website for free. Also, from my own research, I think it's only the U.S. that doesn't have promotion relegation. I'm tired of the excuses about how there's no infrastructure. If Cuba, of all places, have it, there's no reason why the world's biggest economy cannot. Raymond Orozco says, Craig Burley and Steve Nichol have great chemistry. The only problem is sometimes the Scottish accent comes out with unusual British expressions I'm not familiar with. (laughs) Um, Gonzalo says, "Yeah, they had a go at each other this past week on uh, God, I can't remember because they, those shows run into one yeah. another. But on uh, was it on Barcelona and the transfer? Uh, you know, this idea of the transfer window reopening, uh, and and some of these expressions came out, and, and <laughs> I think most of the audience in the U.S. had no idea what they were saying to one another. <laughs> but yeah." Uh, Gonzalo says, uh, enjoy the podcast. For those who are not familiar with Brian Dunseth, who was on the U.S. men's national team broadcast with Adrian Healy, he is one of the regular hosts of uh, Sirius XM FC's afternoon show, Counterattack. I enjoy hearing him with Tony Miola and also his sparring with one of the producers on that show, Andrew Williams. Have you guys ever discussed Sirius XM FC's call-in shows on your podcast? podcast? I'd like to hear your thoughts on their programming. So Kartik, um, it's been a few years since I've had Sirius XM FC, and um, for the most part, I was underwhelmed. It's it's changed since then. Um, at that time, they had um, a lot of simulcast of uh, talk sports. So I think from maybe like say, I think like I don't know, maybe two p.m. to four p.m. Uh, they had talk sport on, and uh, for the most part, um, while I appreciate talk sports uh, at times. 
uh, m- most of the time I get really just fed up with with that with their programming because it is very um, it's 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 very basic it's very transfer rumor gossip it's a lot of it is just nonsense a lot of it seems to be kind of just filling filling air uh filling time with just nonsensical arguments and people like adrian durham just uh, saying something outlandish just to get a reaction to get people calling in to argue with him so anyway going back to sirius xmfc when they've had the talk sport simulcast on i think that was really i, I wasn't really not uh, interested at, at all in those uh, the Grumpy Pundits, I thought, were, were good. Um, and also the show with uh, Ray Hudson and Charlie Stilitano was interesting at times. Um, wasn't a fan of all the people that they, they'd have on the show as far as some of the regular guests. And then um, in the evenings when they had the Eric Winalda show, I thought that was the best thing on SiriusXM FC. Here was some, somebody with some really honest, critical opinions uh, with authority talking about the game. And that I enjoyed. I think that was the best thing they had going, and then um, that ended. So, so that's my take on it. Um, I'm not a fan. Um, and again, it's you mean different strokes for, for different folks. And um, there's probably some good shows on there now that maybe weren't on there before. But for the most part, I'm not interested. What about you, Kartik? Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I I've listened to times. I like Dunning a lot. I, I think there are some okay shows on there, but I think it's 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 kind of generic. I, I not having Eric Winalda, and again, Eric Winalda left to go coach, right? And that's something he had been waiting for an opportunity to coach. But not having Eric Winalda on there means that you don't really have the sort of opinionated and oftentimes grounded in reality, in fact, uh, analysis of American soccer that you would have otherwise. Um, the thing about when all those uh, when all those criticisms uh, is that I think the audience of that particular channel didn't take well to them. So I think what Sirius uh, XMFC has attracted is a much more kind of U.S. soccer fan, MLS fan audience than uh, the more critical uh, thinking thinking fans. Uh, now maybe they tune in every now and then for when all the show, but. Uh, the feedback I got always, Chris, was that people were so offended by what Eric Winalda said on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other shows on that specific channel would often, uh, the, the, the pro-U.S. soccer shows would off, often just work on undoing what he said for the next, <laughs> uh, uh, for the next right. however many days. Right. And, and, and God forbid people get offended uh, by opinions. I mean, their opinions and their, you know, I mean, they, they, they're not any, they're not insults, they're not... I don't know. I, so so yeah. So I I don't have time for kind of those propaganda pro. You mean just rah 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 things? And, the, the, and when all the thing is really f- weird, uh, Chris, because and I know I understand some of the drawbacks in in, in Eric Winalda's personality and some and some of the the criticisms of him. But at the same time, there there seems to be like a universal uh, paranoia about him and and and. Uh, this, this fear of him, just delusional fear of him, uh, within the U.S. soccer aristocracy, so to speak, that uh, uh, I, I thought was really kind of unhealthy. I mean, it, I, it reminds me of the way the Democrats act towards Bernie Sanders. I mean, it's it's the same thing, really. That just kind of the same same sort of just venom and anger towards one of their own. I mean, this is one of the yeah. for years was the all time leading goal scorer in U.S. history, and and really um, in that era, maybe our, other than uh, Tabare Ramos, our, our most technical player technical yeah. attacking player at least and I, and I would say I think a lot of the um, 
kind of negativity that that, that others would have expressed or uh, uneasiness with with his show would be because of change is because the things he was talking about was okay we've got uh, this massive country we've got i mean incredible population incredible um opportunities in this country why aren't we the best soccer nation in this world like what's holding us back let's talk about some of the changes that we can make to improve and and that creates fear among some people especially in certain circles where they're like oh holy cow i mean you have to change everything to actually kind of improve um and i think that that's part of it too is that uh, it shakes things up and um i value i mean eric ronaldo's had an interesting career broadcast wise where there's been lots of highs but there's been lots of lows that the lows were sometimes the times where he was almost um held back it seems when he was on fox where he did some interviews i think with uh set platter and um gianni infantino i think i think gianni maybe perhaps one of the first interviews but it seems so scripted it seems so just just you mean that he was held back and say okay yeah, you can't just go off and do ask some tough questions. Let's ask some simple questions, softball questions, get softball answers. Now, when he was unchained and people said, okay, give him the time to go ahead and analyze this game or give him a time to go ahead and talk about ways to improve soccer in the United States and how we can be a better soccer nation, then he was spectacular. Then to me, I, I would listen in on, and go, wow, this guy really knows his stuff, he's able to communicate it really effectively, but also he's got some great ideas. And these are great ideas, ideas that haven't seen the light of day in terms of none of these have changed. Um, Going back to a lot of my frustration just with in terms of just the way that U.S. soccer as a whole, whether it's on the national side or or the the club level or the league level, has been run. It, It just missed opportunities for this country to be one of the greatest countries in the world from from a soccer perspective, and, and we're nowhere near that. Uh, Alf says, uh, shame because promotion relegation does add to the season. Instead of a load of pointless end-of-the-season games, you get crucial crunch games. I guess that they just don't get that fans can celebrate finishing fourth bottom. If your team has been in the bottom three all season and on, and on the last day scrapes to fourth from bottom to stay up, then trust me, you will celebrate as if you've just won the league. Ho-hum, it'll stay as half the league goes to the playoffs. Playoffs are that put up against the the start of the NFL season. Then they wonder why viewing figures are so poor. Nick says, first off, I would like to start by saying I appreciate all your dedication and hard work. I enjoy listening to your podcast on the way to and from work, making it one of my favorites. As a passionate sports fan, I always need to find the balance between other sports and football. It would almost be impossible without streaming. Accessibility has really changed the landscape. Uh, La Liga is an afterthought, mostly due to being sports' limitations, and haven't missed missed it at all. The Premier League is more of a background noise while you scroll on social media, listening to uh, listening for statistics or highlights, much like Sports Center. I find no value in Serie A personally, or bother keeping up with the table standings in League One. MLS is most certainly out of the question, unless it's Atlanta United or LAFC. ESPN Plus is my go-to source for football matches. I'd rather watch Ajax against PSV, Leeds United versus West Brom, or AIK versus Malmo, and then uh, forcing myself to watch a predictable Burnley versus Arsenal, PSG versus Marseille, or NYCFC versus San Jose Earthquakes match. 
time is valuable for a full-blown sports fan, there's no time to waste. Wow, Kartik, I really like that. That's some uh, some great feedback there for Nick. Yeah, and, uh, yeah great comment there. Yeah, Lots yeah. To think about there. Yeah, especially with ESPN Plus having so many different leagues and competitions, you really could really go down different paths and, and watch a ton of stuff that you would normally not watch and not, normally not have access to. Steve Stupka says, uh, hello, I want to chime in on ESPN+. Plus. I am thrilled that the Bundesliga is coming to ESPN+. Plus. I've never had a cord to cut. So ESPN has brought me my favorite clubs, Phoenix Rising, uh, Fiorentina, Forward Madison, and some Hull City and, uh, and Dortmund games. The sooner they take over the rest of the world, the better for me. I can only catch some Everton and Valencia games now. Maybe not catching all the Everton games is better for my health, but I digress. By the way, I don't watch leagues as much as teams in leagues. One more note, I can follow local athletes. I watch Evansville women every now and again. And then because the guy in the office next to me has a sister that plays for them, remember this is for $5 a month. Uh, John Average Geek says, with ESPN and Fox backing XFL, I see Major League Soccer next rights going to CBS and NBC. Now, Kartik, uh, from the opening weekend of uh, XFL, the view numbers for this were, again, strong. I think the lowest uh, number that they had was 2.5 million for one of the games. And I think the highest was about, I think about 3.5 million or 4 million viewers. Huge numbers. Um, I disagree with John Average Geek, though, saying that um, the next rights will go to CBS and NBC. I, I don't think NBC is interested. Uh, CBS would be interested, but I s- still see it sticking with Fox, ESPN and uh, Univision. And uh, if there's a game on Big Fox that's an XFL game, they can put MLS on FS1 or FS2. Same thing with ESPN. If there's a, a big X- X- XFL game on ESPN, the normal channel, they can put it on ESPN2 or ESPN News or something. So there's a lot of uh, opportunities. XFL is even still around. Look, I I know they had huge ratings when they were on NBC and Turner like the first few weeks in 2001, and and the league didn't make it through even and ended after that first season. We saw the the Alliance of American Football, or whatever it was called last year, uh, had some decent numbers the first few weeks and then just completely tailed off. So I I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty dubious about any attempt at American football in the spring. So... We'll, we'll we'll see. Um, I I my, I think there's a better than fifty fifty chance that when the rights renewal comes up for uh, MLS or the XFL doesn't exist any longer. Next up is Bill Reese. Bill says, was wondering what the host's favorite apps are for catching up on games. As a dad of a toddler, I'm often too busy to watch European games live or on uh, weekend mornings. I will often record them and catch up later. I'm a fan of Fubo's tablet app where you can swipe forward 10 to 15 seconds when you skip ahead 10 seconds before every throw in or uh, before every goal kick. I can cut it cut out a lot of the downtime in the match. I can sometimes watch an entire game in a little more than an hour, precisely the amount of time that my son's midday naps usually last. So for me, Kartik, you you probably actually have a better uh, insight on this one. But for me personally, um, almost all the games I watch are live. Uh, it's very rare. I mean, which is... I mean, I, I love this job, being able to, I mean, stay at home and watch games. I mean, throughout the week, and on an average week, I think a couple of weeks ago, I think I watched like sixteen games live, um, and that's just on TV or streaming. That didn't include going to you know, my kids' games or practices and things like that. Um, so it's rare. I, I know back in the day when I had a nine to five job, I would 
<laughs> this would have been during the days of TiVo, and I would try to do the same thing that Bill talked about, fast forward during throw-ins or goal kicks. And uh, I was horrible at it. I would I would miss goals and have to rewind, and then it was a mess. I I just was a disaster. But but yeah, the Fubo app is a good one to be able to fast forward uh, a lot more effectively. But what about you, Kartik? Any tips that you have in terms of catching up on games? Yeah. So uh, the FOTMOB uh, FOTMOB app F O T M O B on uh, uh, iOS devices and on Android is fantastic, uh, and that you just you kind of pick your leagues and go from there and, and uh, get live updates. There's also uh, the ability on the Eurosport app uh, to keep up on uh, and Eurosports, of course, a news app, but to keep up on uh, on live scores on there. And then I also believe Soccerway might have an app. I, I use Soccerway online to check scores. Uh, that's a Dutch site, uh, but I think they might have a, a Android and iOS app as well. Uh, but they they give you some very good live updates, and then you 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 kind of if you're DVR to match, you know what's what the score is, and that sometimes now maybe I'm unusual in this. Sometimes having spoilers are good because that compels me to go back and watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Soccerway was uh, acquired a few years ago by Goal. Uh, goal.com so yeah so so, if you go to soccerway.com it still works to get like live scores and scores for the day but on the app i think it's been renamed to goal live uh which is effectively the the same thing except that it's just a different name last but not least uh chris hardy says uh, recently br football said that uh barcelona player well abidal said that many players weren't satisfied or working a lot but Mars, uh, Marker says, he said, many players were not satisfied or working hard and there was an internal communication issue. Messi too had different quotes. Messi said, according to BR Football, when you talk about players, you should give names because if not, they are tarnishing all of us. Um Marcus says, finally, I think when, what Messi said, finally, I think that when talking about players' names should be given because if not, we are tarred with comments that are said and not true. Why are these quotes worded differently? Sorry, this is long, but it's been bugging me. And um, Kartik, from you and I having experience yeah. being in, in uh, press conferences, interviewing players and, and executives, there's, there's a few different reasons for this. What's your first take on this one? Well, this one in particular was stunning and I think just shook up the entire uh, football world this week. It, um the the rationale seemed to be one Messi's contract technically uh, is up in the summer, right? And yeah. uh, he could walk on a free, right? This is this is what we uh, were aware of. Abidal, there's been all kinds of, um, I think, just when since Valverde got sacked, all kinds of different issues within the uh, uh, the, the, the Barcelona community, and I. I mean, I just, I still don't have an explanation for this. Um, why um, he did this? Why he didn't name names? What exactly the situation is mm-hmm. uh, in terms of that would prompt him to make these comments? But the backlash has been enormous. We don't know how this is going to uh, shake out in terms of. Uh, keep in mind, Barcelona is a membership-driven club. The presidency is voted on. Uh, the supporters have a, a, a role in everything, and. Um, this just hasn't gone over very well, and, it, and it's become a uh, – I mean, it's funny. It's the end of the show, and we haven't discussed this yet on the show, but this has been the big issue that people have been talking about in football this week has been this particular situation. 
And, and going back to Chris's question specifically, though, is why are these quotes differently uh, different? And and a lot, that's a lot of it because, like for example, uh, it's unlikely that BR Football even had a re- reporter in that press conference. So what they're doing is taking information secondhand. So it's either secondhand through another source, maybe it's a uh, another site that reported the quotes, and then they take that quote and then translate that into English. Um, and that quote may not translate uh, well into English, or you could have two different translators translating that slightly differently. Um, the other thing, too, from experience in terms of being in a press conference or doing an interview and recording the audio versus somebody um, writing it, typing it into a laptop, um, what I do is I record everything and then go th- sit down and transcribe it word for word, which takes painstakingly long it takes I mean, sometimes hours to transcribe something that's pretty short just because i want to make sure that i got everything exactly right others are not like that sometimes they'll just type on the on the laptop you'll hear the laptop's clicking away uh as they 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 actually type in what they say so sometimes the meaning can be different depending on actually who was um transcribing it either in their minds what they remember him saying versus word for word um, there's probably some other examples too, but the, but that that and also telephone. I mean, in terms of, you mean one person says something, you pass it along to somebody else, and then somebody else reports it, and then before long, before you know it, those words can actually change a little bit. Um, so there's a lot of different factors there. So Chris, um, that's the reason why sometimes you'll see quotes done differently, uh, saying saying similar things but a little bit different, and sometimes those different differences can have big big ramifications in terms of what the player was intending to say. All right, Kartik. Uh, well, that's been a, a pretty fun-filled, action-packed uh, listener mailbag. Listeners, if you do have uh, anything you want to share with us, any questions you have about streaming, television, um, soccer, of course, and um, uh, any any thoughts or observations or anything that we missed or any interesting talking points, let us know. We want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can po- always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Now, Kartik, uh, before we go into the closing segment, uh, a big weekend coming up. Any Anything in particular that you're going to be, uh, any match that you would recommend uh, for the viewers to keep an eye on? Yeah, I, I think uh, this weekend, it's it's going to be really interesting as I, as I uh as I go forward, looking at Leeds United, they're playing Bristol City this weekend in the uh, in the Championship. I'm not sure if that's an ESPN Plus match, but that's the match I'm keeping the closest eye on. Uh, Leeds United in a terrible run of form lately. They are still sitting second in the in an automatic promotion spot in the Championship, but they've got Fulham, Brentford, Nottingham Forest, uh, and one or two others uh, that are escaping me, nipping at their heels. Uh, as I think about this now, I think it's your game that's on. I think it's a Swansea match. It might be on ESPN+. <laughs> Swansea is oh, in God. an even worse run of form than Leeds, so uh, they need to snap out of it too. So maybe watch that match. Yeah, so that's on Friday, uh, the 2.45 game Eastern time. Um, oh, God. Anytime they're on ESPN+, Plus, they play awful. So uh, I'm not looking forward to that one. I, I will watched wa- them against QPR. They oh, were God. dreadful. They, were. they got a point. <laughs> yeah, but come on. It's QPR. It's... Uh, <laughs> Um, 
Yeah, so the Bristol City Leeds game is not on ESPN Plus. You can if if you do want to watch it. Um, LUTV, which is Leeds United TV, they have, they offer a match day pass, so you can watch each game individually if you want to, or you su- you can subscribe to um, their streaming service um, it, to to have access to the games that are, that are not on ESPN Plus. Uh, for me, Kartik, I think it's um, this weekend. Um, I think West Brom West Brom's playing uh, Nottingham Forest. In the championship, this one's going to be on uh, yeah. Saturday, twelve thirty, I think, Eastern Time, uh, and that's one that um, I mean, West Brom's such a good team, uh, and Forest still, out of all the teams I've seen in the championship this season, Nottingham Forest has been the one that's impressed me the most. Uh, I saw them in person in September uh, when they played Swansea and beat them, but um, organized, they're really organized, uh, good shape, and uh, they're not going to score a ton of goals, but they're a difficult team to beat. And West Brom is uh, still still a really entertaining uh, team that I think uh, will get will go up this season, but um, they've still got a lot of work to do. Okay, listeners, um, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, t- um, TuneIn, iTunes, Audio Boom, Overcast. Uh, Podfollow is a new one that we've added to, and of course, worldsoccertalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. Uh, oftentimes, we will read those uh, reviews out on air, so feel free to be honest, um, whether it's uh, honest criticism or some, some plaudits or uh, negative, whatever it is, uh, read those out on air, uh, give us those reviews. And Kartik, uh, heading into another weekend of football uh, around the world. What should they do? Enjoy your football. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.